0: I'm Darren Garehy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter. From their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at, to if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would be?
1: Oh, weed. <laughs> 100%. I'm not even sure that that's the order.
0: <laughs>
1: I was so stoned last night, I wrote a eulogy for my dog. <laughs> Is very much alive and well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actor and writer Chris O'Dowd is my guest this week. He talks to me about his glory days in UCD, conning his way into his first acting job and his love for his dog Potato. I hope you enjoy. Chris O'Dowd, you are extremely welcome to the laughs of your life.
1: Thanks so much. What a treat.
0: What a treat! Says you after being basically bullied into doing it.
1: <laughs> I was just, I was just trying to make it look like I was being bullied. Fuck okay, it, why not?
0: I don't know if you've noticed, I'm wearing uh, my pints jumper. The that Guinness, that's set. a goodie. Yeah, it's cute. Okay, Chris, are you ready for the podcast? Because I have specific questions I'd like to ask you.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: Chris O'Dowd, your first memory of laughter.
1: Oh my god. My first memory of laughter, I would think my first memory of laughter would be somebody else's, which would be when I was, I suppose, four or five and I shared a room with two of my sisters and they were two and three years older and they'd be on the bunk beds and I had a single bed beside them and I just hear them giggling all the night. And so at one point I went, what are you laughing at? And they looked at each other. And then they looked at me and said, you. And (laughs) I thought it was such a good put down. (laughs) If anybody accuses you of laughing. But it was a house that was very full of laughter. So I kind of, I don't know the specific ones more than thinking it was definitely a currency. And has always kind of maintained that value that you can get out of anything with laughter.
0: So there was always crack in your house. You were the youngest, yes? Yes. I was the youngest too. Well, I am the youngest. And I think when you are the youngest, if you can make your siblings laugh, you, it kind of makes you feel cool.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. And you're just trying to join in, like in the same way that kids are like oh i want to be able to jump as far as my older brother or whatever there is there is definitely that yeah and it's it was yeah it was always something that felt like was integral to the house that you know like manners laughter uh slapping the shit out of each other and uh <laughs> and and divilment. so you know it's Once you're shown the kind of the threads of the fabric, it kind of, it sits quite well.
0: Are you the funniest in your, amongst your siblings?
1: No, I wouldn't have thought so. I was thinking about it in terms of um, uh, this podcast earlier when I was putting a lot of research into it. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, I don't, I was, I was probably the third or fourth funniest person in my class. I was probably the second or third funniest in my family. Um, And I've kind of maintained around that standard and been blessed with extraordinary good fortune.
0: (laughs) What were you like in school in Boyle? Were you cool? Were you not? Were you bullied? Were you the bully?
1: I I I was big into sport. So that was a big part of, I think, my identity. I was very tall. I was like six foot when I was 12 which is very informative at that age to feel suddenly like the fucking hunchback of Notre Dame (laughs) walking up to girls going, hey, what do you think of my hump? I go down the bridge. (laughs) um, (laughs) No, I live under the bridge. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think that was a big part of me trying to be funny for sure and making girls laugh. Uh, would have been a big part of my adolescent trust.
0: Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, a, it is a case of when you're that tall, you don't want to be at the start, but then when you grow into it, you're you fucking swag around the place.
1: Well, I'm still waiting for my, my mother used to say, you'll grow into your face. <laughs> I feel like any day now, any <laughs> day now, this nose will look like it was built for this skull. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, Chris, the first time you felt laughed at. Now I know you're you said that your sisters were laughing at you, but the first time you truly felt like you were being laughed at for maybe oh, not the
1: I remember one, I don't know if this is the earliest one I can remember, but it's the one that came to mind when I was thinking about it. And it I don't think it is as much of a thing anymore, but I remember my first week in university in UCD. And people used to laugh at my accent. Because we were, like, there wasn't an awful lot of culties in, like, the fucking arts thing that I was doing. <laughs> and so they, it was like they talked to me like I had come out of a cave.
0: <laughs> like, slowly, slowly talking, like, do you know where the yeah. art clock is?
1: <laughs> there was a lot of, like, you see, dear that time, had a lot of cricket shirts. Right, gotcha. You know, and so they hadn't left the pale. So (laughs) they, it was like being from the field suddenly and they were, (laughs) so I think that was the first time I felt like abnormal in any way in a great surroundings because my world before that was so insular. Mm. Um, But then feeling like, oh God, I'm this massive, weird sounding person to all of these people. This is, (laughs) this is wild. It's kind of exciting to feel exotic.
0: <laughs> you say you mentioned not leaving the Pale. I notice a lot on social media because now, obviously, we're in Ireland. We're being encouraged to staycation. There's a lot of people. It's it's just so obvious they've never left the Pale now because they're like, maybe we could go to like Ashford Castle. <laughs> Whereas like other people are like, oh, you know, Connemara, Dingle, whatever, Johnny Gal. We'll we'll get a fucking camper, whatever. There's people like. Like, is Monarch open? <laughs> <laughs>
1: they haven't closed, Dorky, have they? <laughs> Jesus Christ!
0: <laughs> what am yeah. I going
1: to do with foo foo? <laughs>
0: so is that why? Like, cause I, I know you didn't finish your course, and right. it, was that part of it? Did you not really feel like you fit in, or was it? No,
1: no, no. Like I can be it? honest. It was the best time of my life. I fucking loved it. Was it like, there was definitely a feeling of feeling odd at the start. And I think that's where my love of doing play, because I hadn't done plays really. I think I'd done like a musical in secondary school, but it had never occurred to me that I had no interest in that. And I think when I think back to being in UCD, my memories aren't necessarily (laughs) necessarily of like lectures and stuff, you know, obviously, but I did, you know, like 25 plays in three years And it was the wonderful thing about the arts generally, but particularly student drama, is that it works as this gorgeous sponge for all of the people that feel like they don't belong elsewhere. You know, and particularly in fairly conservative Ireland, loads of people going through questions about their sexuality that they felt like they couldn't in their rural towns. And they're suddenly in, absorbed into this arty-farty and can-be-ridiculous world. But at that time, it's very comforting. And so to ingratiate yourself in a world full of kind of oddities is 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 a glorious thing. So when I think of UCD, I, I feel uh, of somewhere that I very much felt at home.
0: And at what point then did Lambda come into your mind?
1: Um. I started after I did a bunch of plays, and I thought oh this this might be fun, and I had no other ideas <laughs> 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 i thought well look I'll, I'll I'll apply to get into one of those drama schools in london, and they're they're hard to get into, so if I get in, I'll take it as a sign as that's what I should do and I heard that that was the best postgrad one, so i did went over and flew over for that one and managed to get in and and that was that really for just a lack of any other good plan. Uh, but then kind of obviously fell in love with all of that. Lambda I found a little bit tricky because it was it was a little bit snooty. And uh, I think I brought in probably a bit of an inferiority complex into it, which probably didn't help. And I feel like over the years I've softened my feelings about it and think, oh, God, I was sure – I'm sure I was probably a pain in the arse as a student. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that was a tough place to fit in. And then, again, really enjoyed it, didn't finish it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then left to try and do something else.
0: What did you try to do?
1: Well, no, I went to try and work, you know. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> but the weird, like, my first, like, to, to, you know, whatever the next stage was going to be. Of but weirdly, I got my first job because I thought I was getting kicked out of Lambda. I don't know if I ever said this story before, but I would. I kind of started missing some classes because I was, you know, also paying my way. So I was working on a construction site in the mornings and then kind of going to like fucking tap or some horseshit in the afternoons, and it was kind of grating on me. And I'm like, this isn't this isn't sustainable. So. Uh, I started missing classes and the, 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 what you call it, the headmaster or the principal had called me into his office and I, I knew he was going to tell me off or suspend me or do something. And I was sitting in his office and he was late and he was like 10 minutes late and then kind of 20 minutes late. I'm like, the fuck this. And while I'm sitting there, uh, there was a fax machine in the corner and uh, it went off. And I was kind of sitting there and I was like, OK, well, I'll just go over and see what it is. <laughs> and I went over and picked it up and it was from a casting director in London. And she was looking for uh, Irish actors who had just graduated for this movie about the priesthood. And so uh, I, I nicked it and I left. <laughs> <laughs> and I called the casting director and that's how I got my first film job. I ended up kind getting it through there, <laughs> and, and then left, which was bananas.
0: Is this an, is this an exclusive?
1: I think so. I can't remember. I'm sure I've told the story. I can't remember if I've recorded it or whatever.
0: And did they did they ever find out?
1: I think I've, I've I think I told them at the time that I had got it. Essentially, they, what the casting directors do is they'll send the thing. This is back when there was faxes, really more than whatever. And uh, they asked for ex-actors because you're not allowed to work while you're attending the school. Yeah. And so I think they'd been sent another one. So I knew about the project and knew why I was leaving. And I wonder how. I don't know if I told them that I'd st- stolen the facts until now. But anyway, I'll I'll leave you a dog in my will. <laughs>
0: Speaking of dog, I I know you've you you've told that story before. How you used to pretend that you were bitten by a dog before you went into auditions, and how it oh, came yeah. back to bite you in the end. Sake. I was listening to that on the on the oh. Louis Theroux podcast. That's very good. Yeah,
1: that what? Well, yeah, that was the desperation. You know, particularly when you're in your twenties and you're. I feel so sorry for fucking kids now. Can you imagine going into this world? Christ on a bike. But the desperation even then of, like, trying to make your place, you'd fucking do anything. Mad shit that you end up doing when you're young. I end up running a bar in Paris when I was fucking 18. Like, it was wild. You'd do fucking anything. Now I can barely cross the fucking street. Every day, like, walking through hot sand, you get this bitter, (laughs) horrible, stenching burn on your feet and then you momentarily free that and then you plunge it into another day of torture (laughs) but when we were young it was great crack
0: (laughs) okay chris the moment when if you didn't laugh you'd cry
1: yeah i lost my auntie a couple of years ago my gorgeous auntie d and um and like that you know she was in the casket Oh my God. And and (laughs) we were like the wake, you know. And (laughs) I'd, you know, it had been a fun evening. And at some stage, I suggested that maybe she'd like to spend one night under the stars. And went to pull the casket that was on wheels. No. I think there was some part of me, I think, that thought it was genuinely a lovely idea. (laughs) That uh, obviously somebody stopped me very quickly before I got to the door with it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's what I'd fucking want. You know? Ground, give me the fucking stars the night before.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: So I don't know. That was definitely one of those that ended up being a very funny moment. <laughs> I think. I think it was funny. I can't like fully remember if it was only me that found it funny now. Right. Uh, at the time. <laughs>
0: um <laughs> I thought you were gonna say that you pulled it and, and it like the wheels went and there were no. like no, no no no
1: I didn't get as far as getting her out. Right. because uh, thank God, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because the pitfalls in that are too horrendous. Right. Um but certainly the idea of adding levity to a moment like that was an impulse.
0: Okay, Chris, uh you're no laughing matter moment in life.
1: Christ.
0: No room for laughter.
1: Like, Like, no. Like, Like, this whole fucking period of time in our lives is just horrendous. It's just been... I turned 40 at the end of last year. And it's been shite. I do not recommend it. The whole year, we lost our friend at the start of the year. And... Then Dawn was over there for the funeral right at the time when all of this was fucking kicking off. And ever since, it's just been a shit show. And then we got, you know, there was the protests and the early days of that where we were was, you know, scary enough. So it's been tense. And hard to find laughs within most of the time.
0: And just to go back to Caroline's death, like I, I think uh, the standout thing for a lot of like look anytime someone who's that in the public eye that heavily passes, you see a lot of uh, maybe two or three days of it of uh, of mourning and outpourings of love, but you could just tell it was palpable for especially dawn but you too that you know it, it was a really, really deep sadness you guys felt
1: yeah and you know it has been.
0: I just hope that, um, I don't know, I, I think this year, I don't know if it's the intensity of, of COVID or, as you say, the, the Black Lives Matter movement or what it is. Um, But for a while, it felt like the whole be kind thing was was working or was kind of embedding in people's mindsets. Has it really? I I just hope so. I just really, really, truly hope so.
1: I hope so, too. I mean... Be kind is such a lovely idea, but the truth is, it's far more than we need. (laughs) All we need is for people to not deliberately be cunts. Yeah. (sighs) Like it's a really low bar. Like be kind when you can, for sure. But just try your best not to be a cunt. Yeah. But, you know, we fucking all fail at that sometimes, I'm sure.
0: uh, a, it's
1: been a tough, it's been a mad year. I I can't imagine for people who are, uh, we're on the outskirts of the, the whole COVID thing. Can you imagine being a fucking frontline worker during all of this and also dealing with the fact that the world is going through it and then your own stuff, oh, so it's full on. And it's weird. When I walk the dog, everybody's wearing masks and everybody's social distancing. I'm like, fucking hell. It's all those people who have to go to work or or have to whatever or you know, people who aren't doing the stuff somewhere. But it's a fucking it's frustrating because we're losing loads of people and you know, the world's closed down. Yeah, it feels like you guys over there are a bit further along. We're still like, the cases are more now than they were three months ago. Every day.
0: Yeah, I know, I know. Well, today they released the kind of green list where but then it's like, it's so unclear. It's like, so we're, t- we're told not to travel. But Then they released a green list of 15 county- countries that you can go to and not quarantine when you get back. So it's just it's a little, and then the government reshuffled in the midst of all of this. And I think, anyway, I didn't want this podcast to be about this.
1: I just can't believe that they've sold Litrum <laughs> to pay for the, the bills because it feels... Too easy, you know. At least choose a county that people would fight for. And for them to sell (laughs) Leitrim to pay for the COVID cost is a fucking disgrace. (laughs) It's a fucking disgrace and we won't stand for it. Okay, Chris. Anyway. Uh,
0: Anyway. Sorry, actually I heard you on Louis's podcast saying like you do work from home a good bit when you're writing and whatnot, but usually it's not with three other people in the house. That's right. So how how is that? Like and, and I sorry, I sound like such a creep now. I'm like, you also said on Louis's podcast, but that, you know, that um that you and Don, it's great, like spending more time together.
1: Oh, just every every minute. Just the only shame is there aren't more hours in the day. <laughs> because <laughs> You know, I, I you know, I, I remember I said to her the other day, it, do you ever feel like we we spend every waking moment together? And then I realized but also when we're asleep.
0: <laughs> so, unless
1: unless you know, she, she, she's doing a shit or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> But she always makes me watch. She always makes me watch. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Stop! Okay, you're right. Uh, Chris O'Dowd, the person you always laugh with, and I have a feeling you're going to say Dawn, but if you don't, it's fine.
1: Oh, I laugh with Dawn an awful lot. I do. Um, but I'm going to say uh, my friend Jamie, who I miss, is in London. And... I laugh with him about everything, really. I mean, there will be texts about the fact that we both happen to be watching A League of Their Own and we're crying, uh, that baseball movie. <laughs> <And> <laughs> sentimental stuff that we see and dick jokes and <laughs> uh, just ramblings on fatherhood. And we... Our cacklers I think when we're together and he's got that great laugh of a man who's had too many late nights and it's very infectious and I miss it
0: Um, I I presumed you guys were based in London have you always, how long have you been over there?
1: 10 years
0: is it 10 years?
1: yeah, 10 years I think
0: (laughs) right I obviously was thinking of someone else
1: no, 10 years. I was in London for 10 years before that and uh, moved here. And then we were kind of over and back around the time that we were doing Moonboy.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Uh, so we kind of were more based in London during that. And we got married around then, whenever that was. The Olympics, 2012.
0: Don't forget the anniversary.
1: I remember it because of the Olympics.
0: <laughs> when was the last time you were in Ireland? And do you miss it?
1: Oh, I do I miss it a lot. I mean, I've been feeling so, I re- oh my God, I was on fucking Twitter the other day and it was late in the, evening. I'm sleeping so badly, this swirling and whirling of helicopters all the fucking time here, it just drives you bananas. Anyway, I was up with one of the kids and I got them down and then couldn't sleep and I went on Twitter and I ended up on some account that was like a uh, real picture postcard thing of like a thatched cottage somewhere in Connemara and like a guy playing the fucking harp or something outside it <laughs> and some unnamed fucking ancient plot of water in the background. <laughs> and and tears started to form in my fucking eye. Stop! <laughs> and I honestly thought to myself, I had this actual thought. I thought, is this what it is to be Irish American? <laughs> i what is this fucking fucking turf box fucking <laughs> bullshit? Is it's kind of, I'm draining some sentimentality because i'm so like i suppose i'm awful homesick because you know you're worried about everybody too but more than anything else so uh yeah so i do miss home what was the question
0: I know, I just kind of rambled a bit Next we'll see you in like Carol's gift shop
1: (laughs) Exactly, oh my god It was like something you'd watch Like an airport gift shop (laughs) (laughs) It was like, oh Oh, (laughs) Fuck me, Jesus Christ
0: Okay Chris, uh, a time where you had the last laugh
1: The last laugh I don't feel like I'm particularly annoyed with anybody (laughs) you know there are loads of people who have said you can't do this and you can't do that and they were generally right (laughs) you know so (laughs) you know people who were like oh you if it was a sports thing you shouldn't get on that team i probably didn't and you know if they thought oh you can't make it in this career or do this thing if you behave like you're behaving and do things like you're doing and of course they were right And they change behaviours. There's no, like, I've been very fortunate in my life. So I feel like it would be uh, ridiculous to kind of, I don't, I don't feel wronged, I suppose, is my point.
0: Gotcha. Well, I mean, you kind of had the last laugh when you stole the the cast, the casting thing from the facts.
1: I guess, I guess. I was pissed off with them then. I don't yeah. feel that animosity anymore because, you know, of the fact. Because
0: you're, re- you're, you're truly American now. I don't really feel that.
1: <laughs> but no, it's not that. It's kind of when you try and <laughs> see your behavior from their point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit more. And you kind of realize, God, I, you know, I was probably obnoxious. Okay. Or I, like- I was probably I'm in the- feeling inferior and kind of projecting some horseshit. and gotcha. you. Know, but, uh, anyway, fucked
0: up <laughs> oh, okay chris if if laughter wasn't the best medicine, what would we?
1: Oh, weed, <laughs> hundred fucking percent. I'm not even sure that that's the order
0: <laughs>
1: I was so stoned last night, I wrote a eulogy for my dog. He's <laughs> very much alive and well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but i kind of didn't realize until it was actually the night before last and i was looking at it yesterday i opened my note i had written it down and i looked at my note folder and at the top it said um thoughts for the church (laughs) so whatever (laughs) Whatever was going on in my head, it involved a situation where the dog was getting a normal Christian burial, (laughs) which even as a a lapsed Catholic, I don't think is possible. But nonetheless, I had written a little eulogy that said, um, oh, how did it fucking say? Hold on, let me look at my thing. Oh, no, it said, it said potato i would happily spend three more lifetimes with you if there is such a thing as reincarnation i hope that i come back oh no if there is such a thing as reincarnation i hope that you come back as a tired businesswoman and i come back as a massage chair at the airport I would spend what? another lifetime cuddling your belly. <laughs> so, yes, the best medicine other than that. How
0: old, how old is Potato?
1: I'd say he's around 14. He was a rescue, oh. so you never know. But I'd say he's getting a bit He's getting a bit older and he can't do his walks properly. It's so sad. And I've started doing this <laughs> bad thing, which is the kind of thing that I thought I'd... When I see people doing it, I'm like, what the fuck is... This? But... Now that, like, my kids are kind of a bit old now for a buggy, but we still have the buggy. Yeah. And so I'll need to go for it. You know where I'm going. <laughs> so I'll be walking the dog. But I want to go for a long walk. And so, and he walks really slowly and can, can't do a long walk anymore. So he'll I'll do take him, like, on the lead half the way, and then I'll put him in the empty buggy and walk him back. Oh, every day like hot sand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> and come here. Would you? Would you ever get popped?
1: Oh, i oh, a couple of times I have around the time of the, um, you know what I'll tell you two things. One happened recently. There's like a, you know what TMZ is? Yeah, yeah. It's like a TV thing, but they also have like a bus tour. Oh, where do they? Like a sightseeing bus, like, going through. They go to all the, the big celebrities' houses, I think. Yeah. And anyway, I was walking back from, like, the pharmacy with, <laughs> with like, boots bags. And they stopped at traffic lights. And we're looking at them. <laughs> and they were like, oh, hey. And I was like, oh, hey. And then this fucking host Oh, that would happen to be on the fucking bus comes out (laughs) I'm standing there with my fucking groceries and a busload of sightseers asking questions (laughs) kind of a pappy moment and then another one was around the time I think the first baby was around the time Art was born around five years ago I got Pat coming out of like a home base and (laughs) it was in like the mail or some shite but I was, I was wearing earphones, and <laughs> but the earphones weren't plugged into anything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it was such a new dad brain photo, <laughs> happened to be in the fucking newspapers.
0: I love it. <laughs>
1: so yeah, glamorous.
0: Oh yeah, no, no, I just, I, I hope you get papped with the dog in the buggy is all I'm saying.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, Chris, are you ready for your quick fire round? And then I'll I'll leave you alone. All right. The actor you always laugh at.
1: Oh fuck! I mean, I do love Will Ferrell. Really do love Will Ferrell. John C. Riley, I really really love. Um, who else do I love? Richard Iwadi really makes me laugh. I know that that's like um bias but he he really really makes me laugh and in terms of like comedy people who really make me laugh on thing I was thinking about this like Vic and Bob are incredibly funny to me and were probably growing up the people who I found the funniest like the the first penny I ever earned was making t-shirts with Uvavu and Iranu on them which were basically the catchphrases for, um, for Vic and Bob's show, the, what you call it Shooting Stars and right. it was kind of, I don't know if you're familiar with their stuff but fucking really fun silly but smart uh, very formative for sure uh, what was the question?
0: <laughs> the actor you always laugh at the, the oh. actress the actress, you always love it.
1: God, Maya Rudolph, I think, is one of the funniest fucking people. <laughs> uh, Kristen Wiig makes me laugh so much. Yeah. Um, oh God, who else? Oh, you only have to... I, would, I, Julia Louise Dreyfus, is maybe my favourite. Or my favourite um, female comedy performance in the last four or five years is... Uh, oh, my God, what's her name? Fucking... Oh, God, what's her name in the comeback? Phoebe from Friends.
0: Oh, uh, Lisa Kudrow.
1: Lisa Kudrow. If you've ever seen the comeback, Lisa Kudrow's show is one of the most fantastic comedic performances I've ever seen.
0: Is it on Netflix? Where do I see it?
1: It's here. It's on HBO. Okay. So it might be on Sky Atlantic. Is that what does that?
0: <laughs> okay. The movie you always laugh at.
1: I know it's a common one, but Airplane makes me laugh a lot. I watched it again a couple of weeks ago.
0: Um, You know you only have to give one answer.
1: Oh, great. Sorry, it's quick fire, isn't it? I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) The comedian you always laugh at.
1: Lee Mack.
0: Nice. And finally, Chris, your best or worst joke.
1: Oh, my favourite joke is actually a joke that was told to me by the kids on Boy, And it's a Paddy Englishman, Paddy Irishman, Paddy Scotsman joke. Paddy Englishman, Paddy Irishman, Paddy Scotsman are in a pub with their sons. And um, Paddy Englishman says, I called my son George because he was born on St. George's Day. And Paddy Scotsman says, I call my son Andrew because he was born in and St. Andrew's Day. And Paddy Irishman leans over to his son and says, Say nothing, pancake.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: very good. Very, very, very cool. good. That's why I say best or worst joke, because that's kind of both. Great like joke. It.
1: Thank you, Sarah White. I think that's from...
0: Chris O'Dowd, I cannot thank you enough for sharing the last of your life with me, honestly, really and truly, I I did just completely <laughs> take a leap of faith on Twitter. <laughs> forward slash bullied. Um,
1: I I, I hope you feel pleased seeing now my current mental state.
0: And now I just have to tutor off and be like, "Hey, Paul Mescal, I'm like the 75- 75.
1: <laughs> oh He's a good head. You'll be grand."
0: He, well, he hasn't replied to me yet, but I, I'm on it. I'm on it.
1: <laughs>
0: Chris, anything you'd like to throw in for a finish? Or are we all good?
1: No, this has been one of the highlights of my life.
0: Yeah, right. I, as a chore.
1: It's been lovely um, meeting you like this.
0: You too. Actually, um, can I get... Take it?
1: care of yourself, will you?
0: I will, and you do too. Uh, thank you so much for sharing the last few your life. Now, can I just get a photo of us on the screen? Yeah. Give a smile there. Oh, Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life with Chris O'Dowd. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, a big thank you to Tato and Guinness who helped make this podcast happen while also donating money to Comic Relief in Ireland. Loads more great episodes to come between now and Christmas so make sure you like, subscribe, rate, review and all those other things. This podcast is brought to you by Collaborative Studios.